morning, everybody. Happy Mondays, five minutes late as normal. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by my fellow Mirror columnist, Darren Lewis. Morning, Darren. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. I've got a kettle again now this week, everybody, so I can have a decent cup of tea. Praise be. No longer microwaving it. Bag first? Uh, bag first or, or, or water and then bag? Well, obviously bag first when it's a cup of tea. <laughs> I actually had water first, then bag, then milk. I know, heresy. Please don't look at me like that. That happened to me in a Costa Coffee the other day, and I just stared at the man until he went off and did it again. What? <laughs> what? Bag first. You have to steep... Oh, we'll have this on another day, Darren, but heathen. Uh, this is the People's Pay-Per-View. Please get into the comments. Tell us what you feel about bags and not bags. Uh, get, we'll ask, do our best to answer your questions. Um, those of you listening later on podcasts, I'm just going to tell it to the birds instead, I'm afraid. So what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on how millions of lives are being wrecked by 14 years of Tory cuts. More on that a bit later in detail. But first, I want to take us to something which probably doesn't impact as many people, but will, I suspect, make you angrier, which is a fire sale of pandemic ventilators. Now, Darren, can you take us through this a bit? Surely we don't need these things anymore. and they can They can quite rightly be sold off, can't they? Yeah, well... It's funny, actually, Susie, because every time I come on here, we seem to be dealing with another scandal in plain sight. Um, and this time, it's a really important investigation by our investigations editor, Nick Summerlad, and he's been ably assisted by uh, Russell Scott. Um, so the detail is that thousands of ventilators are bought for £50,000 each during the pandemic. They're sold for as little as £100. Many of them were never used. Um, now, the detail of this story comes from the Good Law Project, which is a political not-profit, non-profit company, um, and Joe Mom does a great job with them. And they found that the machines that were up for grabs uh, were at online auctions. Uh, Nick and Russell watched. Some of the lots didn't even get sold, which suggested that the prices would get even cheaper. Um, now, I've got a quote from uh, Joe Mom here. He says... Um, the government held on to those ventilators for four years uh, before selling them for peanuts. We lost money uh, storing them uh, on pandemic uh, storage alone. We've lost a fortune. Um, we spent millions of pounds, thousands, over a thousand million pounds. Um, and there's also a quote from the Shadow Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, Pat McFadden, which kind of sums up where we're at with this story. I know we'll get into the detail of it even further but the Tories have shown yet again that they can't be trusted with public money um and when you think about all of the i want to call it conjecture to be generous and to be diplomatic around the awarding of contracts uh covid contracts ppe ventilators etc etc they raised questions to say the least and now to see them being sold off so cheaply um, well, there are even more questions and answers. Yeah, well, the Tories would have us believe that this is Labour's job to be um, loose with the public purse strings and to, to not take proper account of finances and so on. Um, but let's just go into some of the detail here. So the ventilators were £50,000 a unit, all right? And when you consider that um, that kind of machinery was saving lives from people whose lungs weren't able to breathe on their own during the pandemic, that probably seems quite... a you know, not, not an unreasonable amount of money necessarily for a ventilator that can be used for, you know, lots of different patients. 
Uh, and of course, we did buy them in a rush. So, you know, the people providing the ventilators were able to rack the price up a bit. Um, but they're being sold on online auction sites for 100 quid. Now, that is 0.2% of the price that was paid. I just don't invite our viewers viewer to um, consider the stuff in your house. If you're going to put something on eBay that maybe you haven't used or you never opened or you just had lying around like the exercise bike in your bedroom or whatever, would you be getting 0.2% in return for it? Would you settle for that? And would you have the brass neck to say that was getting taxpayers value for money? Probably not. No. Um, and from that, also that £100 that they're being sold for, you've got to take off the cost of storage and the contracts to firms who are auctioning them on our behalf, providing auction services on our behalf. So it's probably at a loss. You know, we'd spend 50000 We're probably spending money just to get rid of them as well. Now, it says in here, Darren, that they've uncovered the government has spent a billion pounds on storage alone. I mean, what? Are they, how do you spend a billion pounds on storage? Are they using big blue storage or something? There are Tory involved somewhere. Someone is making a ton out of this, aren't they? And it's I think, I think that right there is what a lot of people watching this, a lot of people who aren't watching this, a lot of people reading about it in the Daily Mirror this morning, that's the conclusion they're going to come to. And uh, it's deeper than conclusion because questions have been asked around the spending. And obviously this entire show is going to be focused in some way or another around that whole uh, issue because obviously we've got the local government funding as well. But questions have been asked around the spending of public money on COVID contracts, whether, as I said before, they're for PPE or they're for ventilators. And the answers that have come back so far haven't been satisfactory. The awarding of the contracts to some people who you think to yourself, well, what are their credentials for even applying for these COVID contracts? And what does it mean to us? It's our money. It's mm. our money that is being spent, wasted, um, thrown away and in return, what are we getting for that? When you look at the death toll connected with COVID, COVID the um, shambolic handling of the crisis by the politicians, this is another element of what is, as I started off by saying, Susie, a scandal in plain sight. Yeah, now as Angela says there, so true. Um, but let's go back a little bit. Let's try and remember what it was like during the pandemic. Now, because they had sold off all the pandemic equipment previously that they hadn't needed, right, um, they found themselves short of ventilators, gowns, masks, everything that you need to deal with a sudden outbreak of a, of a novel disease. And there was uproar. And the Mirror was among other newspapers. And I'm sure that our viewers, can you remember this? Because I certainly can. That we said, you've got to have PPE. There's got to be ventilators. What the hell are you doing? Step it up. And there were um, British businesses saying, do you know what? We can repurpose our machinery. We can manufacture some ventilators for you. You can change what we are making. We'll start making something different on the machines. We can do that for you tomorrow. And this kind of stuff, the whole kind of national effort was kicking off. Um, and if the government had not just got the checkbook out and said, what do you need? And done it, we would, we would be talking about a very different scandal, I suspect, right now. They have to have 
this kind of thing going on. Adam says they're selling everything not nailed down. Well, this is part of the problem in a way, because because they have um, sold off any government storage facilities, we're having to rent storage facilities, which is why it's costing a billion pounds. Michael says, I love Darren. He's a terrific journalist. Thanks, Michael. It's like there's two of us here, mate. But... Uh, <clears throat> They've sold everything off, so we haven't got a way to store it. They sold everything off previously, so we couldn't use that. We had to buy more stuff, and it was more expensive. And then we're having to hire storage places to keep it in, even though we haven't used it because we didn't need it all. But they they just reacted to this. There was a massive moment, wasn't there, where we had to get these things. If they hadn't done it, you know, there'd be bodies piled high, in the words of one prime minister. Um they they were kind of a bit between a rock and a hard place, weren't they? But they were they were. Listen, I, I don't doubt that, but I think what we've seen from the COVID inquiry is that their um the consequences that you outline weren't just connected to the acquisition of COVID equipment. Uh, the, the whole the, the whole attitude towards that period of time left a lot to be decided and that's again putting it diplomatically uh, while you were talking Susan, i was looking at some of the detail one firm i won't name them obviously um context etc but it won a 135 million pound contract in april 2020 to supply 2700 ventilators the description uh, is in there of the actual kind of ventilators they are they cost fifty thousand pounds each they're being sold off at a knockdown price. Um, the Department of Health and Social Care signed a £300,000 deal with another firm for logistics, storage, handling and auctioning services. So, it, you know, this is the eBay fee, isn't it? You have to charge us to sell the stuff that we didn't use and we probably paid too much for in the first place. Um, and maybe we had to have it and there wasn't many choices about it, but I would have thought that, you know, a, a sensible, competent government, although you do have to do things in a rush sometimes and at scale, like you've suddenly got to start making Spitfires, right? You, your Air Force has been run down, but they've invaded Poland and you go, God damn it, we have to make some uh, make some planes suddenly. Um, when you scale it up and start spending the money, there has to be the right checks and balances in place so that it does happen quickly, but it happens in a way that you just cross everything off and you tick all the boxes and you make sure that it's working in the way that it should do and there is some kind of value for money in there um and i but, also but see, sorry to interrupt you susie i think what what we established during that coiled inquiry is there was no real joined up thinking there was no real research the people who did do the research the people who did bring the science to the government mm. and and the people in charge they weren't listened to. Uh, I would imagine some of the individuals involved in that, uh, like the ones that we saw speaking so candidly at the COVID inquiry, all this kind of detail will vindicate them because I would imagine they'd have said, hang on a minute, we're giving contracts to X, Y, Z. Are you sure? Mm. Are you sure? Yeah, and and uh, yeah, you're, you're right to suggest that the government would have been between a rock and a hard place had they not made decisions of spending the money. But how it was spent, when we see how late they were to appreciate the gravity of certain situations, when you see how lackadaisical they were around other situations, lives were being lost, yeah. families were being wrecked. 
we saw the government, didn't we, under Boris Johnson, they had a real disrespect for the civil service and they didn't want to follow the rules and they didn't want to have to do go through a process. But that civil service is the part, and th those civil servants are the people who would have checked the contracts and written the right clauses in and got things. Instead, when Michelle Moan and the likes of those people just, you know, email a VIP line or WhatsApp a minister uh, and go, yeah, you'll do, Psh! It could, it, there's no, the civil service that had nothing to do with it. The normal checks and balances weren't applied to this. And one of the things I can remember from when we had all those stories about someone going, I'll repurpose my little factory and I'll make you ventilators cheap and we've come up with a new way of doing it that's cheaper and all the rest of it, was those kind of offers were turned down. They were rejected from British businesses in return for the mates who were contacting the VIP line and the hundreds of millions spent here, there and everywhere. So, so people did benefit from it, but not necessarily the right ones. Um, but so now, let's just go quickly to what the government say. So the Department of Health and Social Care, their comment is, get this, everybody, this is a good one. <clears throat> we are taking action to save taxpayers money on storage costs by reducing the stockpiles of ICU equipment, which are no longer necessary, including by selling or donating excess equipment. So they're saving us money is the is the is the excuse for doing this. But there is three thousand and sixty eight of these 50 grand ventilators up for grabs. That's one hundred and fifty three million pounds worth. All right. And you can get that for three hundred and six grand. The lot. I mean, which would fill out an awful lot of hospitals. That's not saving taxpayers money by any stretch. But, you know, we probably couldn't get any more because I expect there's a world glut in ventilators at the moment. Um, I mean, Darren. How, if you were there and this had already happened, how would you possibly? You've got to sell off the ventilators now because you don't need them and they're costing money to store. You've got to get rid of them, really, as cheap as you can, haven't you? You, you do, you do. I, I just think, just listening back to what you were saying a second ago, it kind of breaks my heart sometimes to listen to the spin and the, the mental gymnastics being performed by the people who are failing the public. The people whose lives are being wrecked and and have been wrecked during that whole COVID pandemic, and and, and then suddenly trying to convince us that black is white. I, I think um, this whole situation illustrates the contempt with which the politicians hold the people whose votes they will go hunting for um in a couple of months time yeah. and and i really do despair because i think about the areas of, we i've come on your show many times susie we talked about the lack of funding for this the lack of funding for that the the reasons why the government can't fund that we don't have a magic money tree and then we see the naked waste in this area every single individual ventilator that is sold is a it, it's a it's a I want to say a crime and I, I know I've got to use my words carefully um so move on otherwise well, I'm certainly say, I think a bit of malfeasance in public office there should be some kind of um comeback if you are a politician and you've just not done not followed the processes properly you've not got value for money you can't prove value for money I mean Yes, you have to do things in emergency sometimes and perhaps spend more or sometimes in the public sector than things might actually cost. But 
this is a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Um, what do you think, everybody? Get into the comments, ask us your questions. Were you one of those people who offered to help out the government? Were you one of those people who WhatsApped Matt Hancock with an offer? Uh, <clears throat> I suspect the former is more likely than the latter. But do let us know what you think of the um, cost and uh, auctioning of government ventilators. Jackie says it seems to be a common theme that companies that won contracts have Tory friends. We don't know about the companies on this particular story. Jackie, but I think we can all know where we'd put our money if we had to bet. <laughs> now, <clears throat> let's go to the main story of the day. And it's local authority finance, which is about as exciting as you would expect. But it is more important to your and my daily lives, dear viewer, than national politics would have you believe. So 14 years of Tory cuts has put 40 for zero local councils at risk of bankruptcy, the Mirror is reporting today. That is your bins, all right? That's your swimming pool, that's your roads, your social care at risk because the person, the, pe the organisation funding it doesn't have the cash to keep on doing it. So, Darren, can you take us through this a bit? We all know councils have been making cuts for years. I mean... 14 years of Tory rule is the majority, I think, or at least half of my period as a journalist. Um, I've certainly written it plenty of times, local and national papers. So why is it so bad now? Because um, 14 years of Tory rule. Um, and look, it's been made worse, but it hasn't just started with Tory rule. I started in local journalism. Listen, let's go back to the beginning. And she might <laughs> Back to this the beginning is... when we were both young, <laughs> a thousand years um, ago. I mentioned Hovis, loads of people go away and try to Google it, so I probably better not. Um, but um, the first thing I did when I, this, with this story, go, look, go along and look at whether my local council was on the list. Now, thankfully, they're not. Um, but that's not to say they won't be at some stage because of the, the lack of funding for local councils. Um the story is that nearly 14 years of Tory cuts have, pro uh, have pushed a growing number of local councils uh, onto the brink of collapse. Um, and the story quotes Jonathan Carl West, who is the chair of the local government committee. Um, and he says, look, more ordinary people will start to feel the crippling effects of slashing uh, vital services. Uh, the story basically reveals that uh, there's a black hole of at least £1 billion in council budgets. That Sorry, council's how much can you say that again, Darren, how much? £1 billion. So that's about the same as it cost us to store all that pandemic ventilators. There you go. That's how much local authorities the entire country is missing. Same amount of cash, everybody. A billion pounds. A billion pounds we've spent on warehouses we could have been spending on schools, social care. And you know, Susie, that, that, that's why it matters, as you were saying before. People people might say, well, this is quite a dry story. Actually, it's not. Do you know why? Because it's your council tax that you're paying um, uh, that's not filling this black hole. And, and all of this money that has been wasted in relation to PPE, that's money that could save your council taxes from going up. Mm. Uh, if the government had used it correctly. Yeah, and of course your council tax, when it does go up, it does go up every damn year, it's going up to patch things that are more expensive to have to patch because they weren't being run properly in the first place. 
vis-a-vis just look at the potholes in the roads you know patching that every year is more expensive than just laying a new damn road occasionally when it needs it now sean on twitter says cuts to councils disproportionately affect poorer councils as they're less able to raise money locally while the tax cuts give more to the rich so it just adds to the inequalities says sean tony says yeah let's not blame the councils who spunk money on vanity projects or investments that bomb one of the things about that, Tony, is that it was the Tory governments who encouraged local authorities to invest and speculate in property and other mad projects, because that would mean that they wouldn't have to give them so much money from central government. And of course, you know, the people who are elected to local councils, they have minimum scrutiny, usually, because there's fewer and fewer local journalists. Uh, and uh, some people just get co-opted because there's not enough people even voting for them. And they are generally not investment geniuses. If they were, they'd be in central government. So um, and even some of those, as we know, aren't terribly good with cash, as we've just seen. So the local investments and so on that councils have taken part in, again, it's something that perhaps hasn't passed through all the checks necessarily that it would should have done. Maybe not a good idea in the first place. Mm. Um, so... Susie, I want to just read you a quote from Jonathan Carwest. I mentioned him before as the chair of the local uh, government committee. He says, um, uh, the councils are, are warning that they might have to issue a section 114 bankruptcy notice. Uh, it's just a tip of the iceberg. There are a whole bunch who think they are in serious risk of issuing a 114, but they haven't made it public. When I talk to council leaders, they consistently tell me this is the worst it's ever been. Uh, there's a fairly familiar story that central government funding has been reduced by nearly 50% overall. But for some councils, that's as much as 90%. A little bit more from Jonathan, because he says the funding does that, that does come is more short term, less predictable. A lot of it is uh, from the levelling up fund councils mm. for those. So they don't know year on year what they'll get. And this is a key thing, Susie, he says, if you live in an area that hasn't been issued with a 114, that doesn't mean that everything's fine because many of those councils are still cutting. So your bins, your swimming pools, your roads, um, all of the stuff sometimes we take for granted or we believe because we pay our council tax that they should be maintained. Councils are still cutting to try to desperately stave off bankruptcy. Yeah, That's why that matters. A legal obligation to try and avoid that and so therefore they're having to just go well in that case the libraries are gone the mm. potholes aren't being mended whatever um so i mean some people might say this is you know um, labor councils overspending but there's there's seven who've gone bankrupt so far but there are 40 about to go bankrupt or fear going bankrupt and that's a fairly even mix of tory and labor administrations so it's not an ideological thing leslie says this is a repeat of thatcher when are we going to realize what's causing this i think as soon as we get a chance leslie would go to the polling station um i suspect may when the local elections are coming along will be quite indicative you know now, Susie, you, you, you made a point about in passing and because you made a number of good points. But one of the things you said about they'll close the libraries instead. Again, that breaks my heart. As a kid, I was at the library every day after school. Books out. I want to encourage my kids. And they do. They use their local library. They're in there all the time. We want to bring up you've got kids. I've got kids. We want to bring up a generation of kids that love reading, that put gadgets to one side that embrace reading embrace but these are the things that we will lose as the councils try to 
slash budgets and balance books and make sure that people's council taxes don't have to go yeah. up. I think we can safely say that most journalists' children are probably going to have access to books, but those libraries are for parts of the parts of society where perhaps they can't afford a book, where perhaps it's not quite as um, it's forced on the kids at home to read before you go to bed. And so in terms of social equality, in terms of, you know, improving your loss, your station in life, it's just less possible if you don't have access to information to the internet, which they tend to have internet hubs at the libraries and things now in these days. And also, I mean, my local library has been a warm hub over the winter for people who can't afford to keep the heating on at home. Mm. So the services they provide are absolutely vital. So we've got this. Now, what do you think, everybody, about this? We've got this one billion pound hole in local finance. It's 1.2, in fact. Another four billion is predicted to be short over the next two years, right? So we'll be we'll be basically it's, it's just going to get worse. Um, now the Tories would tell you that they have made six hundred million pounds available in this levelling up fund that Darren mentioned, for which councils can bid. But because you're bidding, you don't know if you're going to get the money until the start of the financial year, which can be too late. You've already mothballed half your libraries by that point, uh, and they don't know if they can offer those services. And some, of course, bids get turned down. And in any event. It's 600 million and the whole is 1.2 billion. So it's, it's only half what's needed. Absolutely. I mean, the, the one thing I have to think, Darren, is, you know, this is streetlights. It's bin collections. It's the leisure centre. It's your nan's care home. This is no way to run a country. It yeah, just, no, it's I don't not. care about the politics of it. Just don't do this. You just you can't no, do this. And I, I'm, I'm, it's really important that we outline the real world day-to-day -day implications of Again, as you said before, some people might think this is a dry story, a finance story, something that isn't particularly sexy, but it matters. Street lighting, safety, um, bins, the, the, uh, swimming pools and, and health and fitness and all of the different aspects of our lives that are impacted by these cuts matter. And sometimes as journalists, as you know, Susie, we have to present things in a way that help people to understand what does it mean to me? So even the headline on that piece, it's on the front page of the Daily Mirror today, lives wrecked, because it will affect people's day-to-day -day lives. And that's what they have to come to understand, particularly when they come to cast their vote in the general election this year. Well, and in the local elections in May, there's always a low turnout. Please, anybody, if you're not registered to vote yet, get registered to vote. Express your opinion in May at the local elections. If you don't get a chance to have a general at the same time, then you can still, you know, just whoever it is running your local council, whatever party, you can tell them what you think of it. Princess Angela says, I, I don't think it's a real princess, but uh, good morning, Your <laughs> Highness. I would be happy to pay more, but the services keep failing at the basic level. Uh, all I know, Angela, is that council tax goes up every year and what the council can provide goes down. I don't understand how that is possible, I would have thought. So there's a couple of case studies on that page that really demonstrate the human cost of this. Um, and so there's Sabia Haziz, her son Adam uh, suddenly doesn't meet the criteria of the grant for a wheelchair, even though he's quite severely disabled, he's got learning disabilities, nonverbal autism, epilepsy, um, because the, the eligibility criteria have just been tightened, which means he would have qualified a couple of years ago, but not today. And he's still he's just as much in need of a wheelchair as he was. Ernest Skerritt got run in a council-run care home for dementia patients just around the corner from his daughter, Sarah, but they face having it closed down. 
And his daughter points out that that kind of disruption severely impacts dementia sufferers. It shortens their lives. The distress and everything else just makes it more difficult to cope with their condition, which worsens. And it wouldn't be possible for her to visit as often because there aren't any similar facilities nearby. She'd have to go further to do it. So, Darren, why, why is it that local councils and local council politics and local council budget meetings are considered so dull and boring that national journalists, many of them like us, trained in local newspapers, have largely ignored I mean, the Mirror's reported it a few times. There's others who've done some good work on it. But as, a, as, a, as an issue, the national newspapers have not picked up on this and said, Prime Minister, Chancellor, this is on you. Yeah, I think we've been, as you rightly say, the Mirror's been very um, hot on this uh, for quite some time. This particular investigation uh, has been very long and painstaking. Nick's done a terrific job with Russell. Um, and all of us, as I was saying before, we come from local newspapers so we understand I certainly understand what it was like to work at my local newspaper the old Enfield Gazette in North London northeast London and, and I and I understand I came into just this job understanding what this kind of thing meant for local people because I would talk to them I would understand them I would understand that sense of community that gets lost when you do lose those hubs those libraries those services that mean so much to ordinary people and it's the reason why when I heard Michael Gove saying the other day uh, that the £500 million cash injection would really help councils, uh, like many people, I, I straight away just felt you simply don't have a clue because that mm. money for all of those councils around the country, uh, it, it's a drop in the ocean. And mm. the ordinary people that are going to suffer while you waltz off into the sunset it's just off the scale. There is that understanding. We as a newspaper, it's part of what we do. It's our ethos. We speak for those people that don't have the opportunity to speak for themselves and rail against the kind of thing that politicians do with impunity um, without thinking about the real world costs. But sadly, we live in an era where there are too few people who want to do likewise. Yeah, and, and also decisions being made by people who aren't going to ever feel the results of it. Michael Gove's kids are never going to be short of a library book no. or book, generally. Far um, more specifically than I could. None of the people in government are going to wonder about dementia care for their parents because it's sorted, isn't it? It's paid for by the inheritance. So uh, it's um, it, they're making decisions that they're not going to be impacted by uh, and they're not really making the best decisions necessarily. But like I say, there are elections in May, everybody. So if you'll have a look at the mirror today, have a look at that list of 40 councils, see if yours is on it. Uh, and then, you know, make sure you're registered to vote. Um, there we go. Bradford, Bath, Chelmsford, Cheshire, Cotswolds. The Cotswolds! If they're not Tories, goodness knows who isn't, although they are only down one million. Derbyshire, Durham, Guildford, Hampshire, Hastings. God, there's a huge number. Haven right across the countryside. Um, so go and have a, a look to see if you're Kent. 86 million we're down, although they'll blame that on the small boats, I expect. Uh, go and have a look and see if your council's on there and make sure you're registered to vote in May. And make sure that you turn out in May to vote. Yes, Darren. You know, you just that that, that line—I I don't know if it was throwaway or not—but you, you're so right as ever. Because we get sucked in knee deep into these culture wars and and and, and pointing the finger at each other, this is the kind of thing that gets missed. 
when there's so much focus on the thing in confecting imaginary threats to our way of life, this is the thing that slides under the radar. The months and the years go past when governments are allowed to get away with waste on this scale, on on financial neglect on this scale, of financial... I don't want to state impropriety because I, I don't. Uh, it's been naughty if I said that. Shenanigans. So I won't. Shenanigans is the right. Shenanigans, word. mishandling, mm, greasy fingers, yeah. whatever you want to call it, money slipping yeah, through. Just. But 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 you're so right. You know the the whole culture war war concept is designed absolutely to direct us away from this kind of thing that affects our day to day lives. And by the time we come to vote, we still think, oh my goodness. They're going to save us from the imaginary threats that they've confected to my life. So I'm still going to cast my vote in that direction. When in fact, you've lost your community hubs, you've lost your libraries, you're paying more in council tax, you're not getting enough for it, you've lost your AE, you've lost this, you've lost that, yeah. and you've not been able to see it. Yeah, so I dare say in Kent County Council, a lot of people will be saying that the £86 million there in the hole, I live in Kent, for those who don't know, um, £86 million there in the hole will be down to the fact they've got to deal with small boat arrivals coming across the channel. Uh, But I don't think that asylum seekers uh, who come here on boats are responsible for the potholes in my road that are just getting patched badly and even then just don't last very long. I think that's the result because those were coming since before they were small boats arrivals um and the reason that you know kent county council has had to find the money to deal with that is because the government's refused to give them it it is a national problem that kent's had to deal with and they haven't had the right funding for it so that funding's had to come out from other things shouldn't be happening there we are now um thank you for taking us through all that darren uh, do let us know what you think everybody have you got a solution to the local authority funding crisis where can you find a billion pounds if you've also you're, you know selling off the ventilators because the the cost of storing them is too high and that's costing you a billion pounds where is the magic money tree is it that one that's behind darren in his back room who knows <laughs> and says they always have enough tarmac to put in speed bumps not in my road they don't don't even get speed bumps um, anyway, we do have managed to find some good news in the world for you, uh, and this might cheer you up a bit. Here he is. Here you is. What am I saying? Anyway, now, if there's one thing we like on this show, it's an animal story. And if there's one thing we really like, it is an animal expressing a need for independence. Now, That's what's happened in King Craig in Scotland, where a Japanese macaque monkey has gone over the wire of the Highland Wildlife Park and is on the lam in the Cairngorms, like Mel Gibson searching for an Oscar. Now, it's been spotted eating out of bird feeders, and I'm sure the macaque would be safer, and maybe the local family cats will be safer too if it's back behind bars. But Darren, is this proof that you can put an animal in a zoo, but you'll never take its freedom? (laughs) I, I can't decide whether I want to call it McVicar or... or... <laughs> a McCat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a terrific story because I'm wondering where it's gone, um, whether it's hiding out somewhere and someone's making it some breakfast as we speak and it's sitting with its feet it's out. It's marching on York. That's what it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I have a coffee. If you make me laugh, I'm going to cough all over this show. I do apologize. <laughs> it's marching on York. It's trying to Robert the Bruce's ghost to come back and try again. <laughs> and it's hopefully it's painted in blue on those cheekbones. Like it's got a bit of woad. 
uh, and it's, uh, at some point when the zookeeper turns up and wants to arrest it and take it back and come out with a net it's going to just turn over and slap its bottom cheeks well it was reported that um yeah he was eating out of a bird feeder in a garden so i'm wondering if there's somebody who's gonna sort of waltz to the bottom of the garden maybe open up the shed and there he'll be with his finger <laughs> he's, he's actually taken the he's taken the nuts he's taken the whole bird feeder over the fence and away <laughs> well done can we please can we please call him mel can we please call him mel the macaque please anybody and, and, uh, and obviously William, wallace i don't care I'd love it if people suggested names for the, this. Wallace the is macaque. There a name in that? I can't see this. No, there is no he's just a Japanese, a Japanese macaque in there. Maybe he does have an actual story that's, uh, you know, a bit of a backstory. I don't know how he's... Obviously, I mean, these are monkeys which are... Uh, normally, they bathe in hot springs in Japan that are sort of warmed by uh, volcanic activity. So uh, being in Scotland, which only has extinct volcanoes, isn't the best place for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's trying to get back somewhere a bit damn warmer and have a hot bath, which it's used to. Um, maybe they provide that kind of thing at Highland Wildlife Park. I don't know. But I would have thought, really, that um, if it was me, I'd be leaving bird food out for it. Put it that way. And I, I hope that um, I hope that it does march on York. That would be absolutely fantastic. Let's call it Wallace the Macaque or Mel mm -hmm. or something. Um, and I think that's a rather marvellous <clears throat> tone to end on because someone's getting out of Dodge, uh, even though the rest of us are stuck here dealing with whatever the Tories have left for us. Um, thank you, Darren, for taking us through all that. Thank you, everyone, for taking Good part. Enough. We're going to leave you now to get on with the rest of your Monday and do some proper work. Uh, so we'll be back again on Wednesday for another edition of the News Agenda. But till then, everybody, stay safe. Uh, see you on the other side. Tatty, bye. Bye.